0: Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. So I got my first full-time job when I was, well, not full-time, I got my first real job when I was 15 years old. Uh, how many of you guys remember what your, your first job? Probably most of, most of us do my first job was awesome. I was the, uh, one of the cart boys at Keene Country Club, and so as a 15 year old who played golf to have your job be basically hanging out at the golf course, cleaning carts, getting to play free golf. it was really, really fun. Uh, two weeks into my job, um, I had a little incident happen though so the way it was set up, we had a fleet of really nice golf carts that were up by the pro shop. But then, uh, maybe 100 yards away, there was something called the cart barn, where we had all these excess carts. And we would only pull them out when we had big tournaments, and we'd run out of carts. And so I've been working there for two weeks, and 15 years old. And some of the older kids showed me that on old golf carts, what you could do is you could lift up the seat, and there was a governor that you know, made sure the cart didn't go too fast. And if you opened it up and kind of propped it open with a golf tee... The carts would go literally at least twice as fast. And so as they showed me that, uh, we had a big tournament, and we started bringing the carts down to the cart barn, um, which was fun, but it was a lot more fun to try to do it like a NASCAR driver. And so uh, there was kind of like a small opening you'd have to go through. There was, it was dirt, and then there was a big, uh, you know, post for the, the, the first support beam for the cart barn that you kind of try to navigate, navigate by. And so uh, we started going, and I'd kind of go in as fast as I could and you know, hit the brakes and be really careful, which then turned into doing it and not being very careful, which turned into the last time of like, us trying to figure out, can we go down and not, not only not hit the brakes, but make this turn and with the foot on the gas the entire time? I know, this, 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 it was a spectacular idea, and so I went down, go around the corner, I do not make it, and I hit the support beam, boom, and I knock it off the, I like knock the support beam off the, off the footer, so I'm panicking, again, two weeks into my first job, I am trying to get this beam like back on, which is obviously not going to happen, uh, I spend way too much time down there, I'm like, what am I going to do, so I was like... Just gonna walk up like nothing happened. That's my plan. So walk up like nothing happened, keep going. But an hour later, the pro's like, anybody know what happened to the cart barn? I'm like, uh, news to me, it says it was the pole not always like that? Uh, I panicked, and I would not confess that it was me. I just, it's like, nope, I think, guys, I'm almost positive that's how it's always been. <laughs> We've just always forgotten about this. And there, were, there, there was two big reasons why I wouldn't say anything. The first was because of fear. I was afraid I was going to lose my job. So out of fear, I refused to confess. The second reason was I was embarrassed. As the youngest kid on staff, kind of wanting to, uh, wanted to show off, I was embarrassed that I, that I had done that. Um, you know, again, obviously they didn't let that slide, but I like stuck to my guns for a <laughs> almost two years, (laughs) and then finally, I was like, all right, it was me, and they're like, yeah, we know, Albie, we've known for two years it was you, everybody's known it was you, this was not news, (laughs) but I would bet that almost everyone in here has their own story of a time where you didn't confess something because of fear and because of shame, you know, it might be something sort of funny like that, but maybe it wasn't so funny. Maybe it wasn't so innocent. Fear and shame are really powerful things that keep us from being open, keep us from confessing, and honestly keep a lot of sin in the dark. Uh, this, is, this morning, we're going through our REACH rhythms, which stands for rest, eat and engage, acts of love, confession, and home. And so if you haven't guessed, today is our first message on confession, and, and how important confession is in the life of a follower of Jesus. And if you're new, what these rhythms are, think of them as they're a set of practices that help take what we believe in our head and kind of transfer them to our hands, transfer them to our schedule, transfer it to our habits. So we're going to look at today, what does it look like to lean into the rhythm of confession? And I think that confession is an essential part of receiving the good news of Jesus and as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should be the best and most frequent confessors because we have a Savior we can freely confess to. First John 1 John 1.9, which is one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture, is this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, but notice that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me just big picture talk about what I mean by confession. Because if you maybe you grew up in a Catholic background and you're wondering like, does this mean we're, are we getting a confession booth? Is that what that door actually is? Is that where the confessional is? Uh, that is not what I'm necessarily talking about here. What I mean by confession at its most basic level is just announcing what is true. That's what confession is. Confession is announcing what is true. If you look up the word confession, this is what the definition is gonna be. Confession is to say the same thing as someone else, to agree. And so for us, it's learning to agree with God about who we are, about our sin, and our inability to do anything about it in our own strength. Sometimes confession, when you say, Lord, I confess this was wrong, you're, already, you're just agreeing with what God has already declared. That is the is most basic definition of what confession is. But why in the world would you want to make that a habit of your life? You're like, okay, this is going to be a fun message. Why are we doing this? Like, think about why, why do you think it's so important for confession to be a regular part and a habit of your life? Uh, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus tells in Luke 18 and see how our ability and our willingness to confess is going to be tied to our understanding and experience of God 's grace this is why it's so important so our willingness and our ability to confess is going to be directly tied to our understanding and experience of god 's grace that's why it's so important so let me read to you Luke 18 9 through 14 if you have your uh, Bibles and you want to turn there you want to open it in your, in, your, in your phone you can um, this is this is a, this is set in a, in a midst of parables, but this is what Jesus says. So he, being Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And so here's the parable that Jesus told. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You know, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. These are powerful words by Jesus. So parables, there were short stories that they often had exaggerated characters that were used to make a point. And in verse 9, right in the beginning, Jesus tells us why he told this parable. It didn't just come out of nowhere. He needed to teach a lesson to those, the Pharisees, people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And so when, sometimes when you see this word righteous, when it's used in a negative sense, it's used of people who believe that their way of thinking and feeling and acting were so in line with the will of God that they did not have any need for correction. That's one that's used sort of in the, in the, in the negative sense. And, and in fact, these people thought not only do they not need correction, their gift to the world was their correction of others, Uh, That was the sense of false righteousness. And so here's my paraphrase of what this Pharisee just prayed. This is his confession. He said, God, thank you that I am better than other people. I am better because I perform better. And not only do I not do the bad things, but I also do the good things. I am righteous because of what I do and also because of what I avoid. And God, you must be pretty excited that I'm on your side I'm not like that loser over there. That's basically what this guy, what this guy prayed. And, 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 I, and many of you might even be thinking, oh, that's the worst. I can't stand self-righteous people like that. God, thank you that I am not like that Pharisee. Oh, and then you're like, oh, and the parable has got me. Because it is so easy to just slide into being that guy. We, we are so prone to elevate ourselves and uh, judge others it is way easier to be a Pharisee than you think. In the first chapter of a book that I highly recommend called The Gospel-Centered Life, there's this whole section on this idea of righteousness or self-righteousness. And it talks about how we all have the tendency to justify ourselves through either pretending or performing. We all have this need, in the sense, to justify ourselves by pretending or performing. And those are two ways you can actually avoid Jesus' claim in your life. So to pretend, what you can do is you can pretend that you're really not that bad. Your actions don't rise to the level of, you know, being a sinner. You know, maybe you you need some, you know, good advice, some more discipline, a good example to follow. But you're not to the level of a sinner whose sin is going to separate them from God, who's deserving of judgment and needs a savior. That's one way you can avoid Jesus. The other way you can avoid Jesus is by performing and doing your best to be really, really good. Like in the, you know, the older brother and in the, in, in the parable of the, I'm um, blanking. You guys know what parable I'm talking about. Luke 15, thank you. Prodigal, I promise I read my Bible. I do, I do. Uh, I don't just, this isn't chat GPT. I really did put this together. Um, but we have our ways of performing where we think this is, in a sense, this is how I know I'm better than others. And you won't think of it in those terms. Most of us are not bold enough to be like, dear diary, here's what I did today that shows I am better than everybody else. You won't ever do it that way, but you'll act like that. Your, your thoughts, the way you view people, will project that. Uh, ask yourself this question. What do I count on to give myself a sense of personal credibility? Think about that. Well, When you look at your life, how you live, what, what are the things that you count on to give yourself a sense of personal credibility. You know, another way of thinking about it is this. What a, ask yourself, what are the things I find myself looking down on in others? What are the things I find myself judging other people about? And we all do it. Like, whether it's how someone uses their money, how somebody uses their time, what they do for leisure, what shows they watch. What, we have a million things. What, you know, what their exercise routine. What are the things that you find yourself looking down on in others? Because how you answer those questions is going to reveal a lot about where you get your sense of righteousness or self-righteousness from. And here's why this is so important. When we build our sense of value on something other than what Jesus says about us, we are going to be prone to pretending or performing, which is going to make confession very difficult. And here is why. That it's going to be a threat to the thing you are holding on so tightly to prove that you're okay. Pretending and performing make confession really, really hard because it ends up being a threat to what you use to have your sense of value of this is how I know that I am okay. Um, I've noticed this in myself. I don't know about you. We are. I'm okay being a sinner, kind of in abstract or in general. If I asked every one of you, like, who here could just admit I'm not perfect? I have my flaws, I'm a sinner, like I don't have it all together. Probably everyone would be, yeah, that's me. But here's what we don't like. We don't like being sinners in the specific. Anytime someone would actually call you out about a specific sin or a specific scenario, what do we all do? We blame shift. We rationalize it. We do it in a way where, like, no, like, okay, well, I'm not actually a sinner in that sense. Like, the reason I act that way is because I was tired, or they're annoying, or I ate too many carbs, or whatever it is. We have all of our ways of really avoiding, and by the time we get done with it, we end up being like painting ourselves as the victim. <laughs> it's like, well, I only acted that way because of X, Y, and Z. We're okay with being sinners in the abstract, we are very uncomfortable being sinners. in in, in, in specific ways, which again makes confession challenging. But we need to overcome that if we're going to truly lean into the gospel, if we're going to truly lean into the freedom that comes from Jesus. This is what we need to never forget. The good news of Jesus frees us from this. Now, have you ever wondered why when you read the gospels, especially Luke why sinners felt so comfortable around Jesus? Have you ever wondered that? I know I have. I was like, well, how come the Pharisees, the religious, were the most uncomfortable with Jesus and notorious sinners seemed to be the most comfortable? And it's not because Jesus lowered the bar. I mean, he had the highest sense of purity and righteousness ever. In one teaching, he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Sinners were not comfortable around Jesus because He lowered the bar and said it's no big deal. That's clearly not the case. Here is why I think they were so comfortable in Jesus' presence, because in Jesus they found what they knew. They found in Him what they knew was impossible on their own. In Jesus they found in Him what they knew was impossible on their own. They found forgiveness, restoration, redemption, reconciliation, all the things that if you're given by grace, are easily accessible. And all the things that are impossible if you have to earn them, especially if you've made a mess of your life. The people that are really in the the stories that that often were the most comfortable around Jesus were the ones that did not have to be convinced that they were a sinner, did not have to be convinced that they they had made a lot of choices. They were the people in Luke 18 that had this posture of God Be merciful to me, a sinner. And it was that attitude and posture that just unlocked the free gift of grace. And Jesus' response was so often some version of, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. Confession is such an important part of the Christian life because we are sinners who need a savior. We have a God who freely wants to forgive us who freely offers all this stuff, but the kind of the bottom line of what you need is you have to admit that you need it. You have to declare what is true. You are not fooling God. He already knows. In one sense, you're probably worse off and better off than you think. That's that's, that's the beauty of it. Richard Foster wrote a great book called The Celebration of Discipline, and he has this whole chapter on confession, and this is what he says. He says, without the cross the discipline of confession would only be psychologically therapeutic. Without the cross, the discipline of confession would only be psychologically therapeutic, which means that it's actually really important that all of this is true, that Jesus really did live the perfect life we should have lived, that he really did die on a cross and three days later rise from the grave in history, that salvation is really offered through his name. This all has to be true. Because without that being true, this is just psychologically therapeutic at best. And at worst, imagine it being true, but they're not being a cross. And it just leaves us condemned and guilty, having to pay the entire weight of our sin. But thank God that is not the case. Thank God that we have a Savior that knows that we are sinners, that while we were sinners, died for us, that entered into our broken humanity and offered us life, So we can confess. We can admit what is true. And we can confess the truth that those of us who are in Christ Jesus are now dearly beloved, are now his children. All the things we've been talking about in Ephesians, about our new identity, is true of us. So let me just get practical. I want to just share three ways and some stories of what confession can look like in action. Because I know this is probably, we haven't, I haven't preached on this in maybe a year and a half or two years, um, which means that if I have preached on it before, the only thing you remember was maybe the golf cart story, because that's the way illustrations and stories work. So let me just kind of explain three big ways that this can be part of our, um, our community that are practical. The first is confession can be a missional tool that highlights the gospel. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Mike, There's this guy, Mike, who's a friend of mine who I've learned a lot from. And he does a lot of just kind of stuff with the guys in his neighborhood. Most of them are not, are not believers. And he was, he was telling me a story once of, he was having a, a fire and they were all kind of in the backyard talking. And one of the guys started complaining about his wife. And before you know it, it almost had this contagious effect where the next guy started complaining about his wife. And then the next guy was like complaining about his girlfriend. They were just kind of like, just wasn't going a great direction and Mike goes and when it kind of got to him and they're expecting him to chime in and he goes actually I really like my wife and uh if I'm honest like I'm the one that can often be the jerk sometimes and he said it was amazing because what it did like almost his confession of yeah you know what I can actually be the selfish impatient one it just flipped the whole conversation and he said it was amazing it just started and the other guy was like you know what that's me too he said this whole moment where around the fire, all these guys went from almost this self-righteous attitude to just totally confessing of, of, of their sins. And they didn't, they didn't even know what they were doing at the time. But it's just this amazing power of confession can, have, can highlight the gospel. And he used that as a way to kind of bridge to, to, to Jesus' grace. The next way this can become really practical would be think about in, uh, in life group or in Christian community. Here's how confession can work. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Um, here's what I want you to try. Life groups haven't started yet, but um, think about it for then, but really in any, any group where you're getting together with other believers. Intentionally set aside some time just to confess where you've blown it, gotten frustrated uh, relationally with someone, or sinned against someone. I you, just this will probably be the opposite of what you normally do when you get together as a group. Like, hey, let me tell you where I've blown it, where I've sinned, where I got frustrated. And then have the, tr- the group just kind of speak back to you some of the truths of, of the gospel. Let me, let me tell you about how this happened in my life group once. Um, I was, we were in group, and as we were kind of asking people what they needed prayer for, one of the guys who was sitting, sitting right next to me, he asked for prayer because he said, he said I'm really struggling with anger today. I'm really struggling with anger today because at work, somebody just kind of challenged me and questioned my competency in a way that really bothered me. And I've been in a bad mood all day because of it. I've acted, you know, acted out, if you will, towards them, kind of projected on, onto my family. I am really struggling with anger right now. And I'm kind of sinning against a bunch of people in prayer. And what that did is that, uh, that unlocked, um, I was sitting next to him and I was able to be like, you know what? I am too. Like, I've just been short. I've been acting a little bit selfish. This was back to, like, we just got done with the holidays. And we were around family a ton. Here, I'm already, like, self-justifying. But it was like, I haven't, like, I, I'm struggling with this as well. And as a group, we were almost able to both confess, like, yeah, we have been sinning in this way. But it wasn't just confession. We were able to talk back to ourselves the truths of, of the scriptures because we were able to tell ourselves, well, we also have the holy spirit in us. And the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. And as his followers, that is available to us. Even when we're tired, even when people treat us that way. So holy spirit, please allow us to access what is already ours. You kind of see how that works? It was a really it was a really beautiful beautiful moment. Um That would not have happened if people people didn't feel free to just confess. Here's how I've sinned. Here's how I've messed up. But there was healing in that. I don't know. I I can't remember where I found this quote, (laughs) but I love it. It says, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. (laughs) Confession is good for the soul, but can be bad for the reputation. But here's the thing. Not only is it important for you and your relationship with God, confession is necessary for a healthy community. To have a healthy community, confession is a necessary element of it, and here is why. This is another uh, Richard Foster quote. It says, Confession is a difficult discipline for us because too often we believe, the, we view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. And this is going to make you feel isolated and alone in your sin. If you feel like you're in a community where everybody has it all together, then you will not confess and open up because confession will be veiled as a threat and you'll end up kind of hiding your true self from others in veiled lies and hypocrisy that is what will happen if we view each other and our groups primarily as a group of saints that have all together and not a group of struggling sinners who yes are saved by God's grace but continually need it over and over again but look at listen to what he says but when you know the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, we are free to hear the unconditional call of God's love and confess our needs openly before our brothers and sisters. We know that we're not alone in our sin, and the fear and pride that clings to us like barnacles clings to others. We are sinners together. And that is never to minimize sin or be like, oh, we all do it. It's not a big deal. But it's to understand that we are all in this together, and we all need God's grace And none of us have it all figured out, and we won't. And a community that learns to confess will be a community of grace. And that is one of my big hopes for this church, that we are a community defined by God's grace. And if that's true, it's gonna get messy because that means that we are not a group of really well-put-together church people, but we're sinners who've been saved by the grace of God. And God willing, he is slowly changing and transforming us to become people that look like him more and more over time. And a vital part of that process is confession. And so remember this truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a truth we can hold on to. So corporately, we're gonna, in a minute, do something a little bit different. We're gonna end in a time of confession together. But before we do, just take a minute and examine what might I need to confess today? Well, maybe you've never done this and it's totally new, and that's okay. You know, maybe you need to confess for the first time that Jesus is Lord. You know, maybe you need to cry out to Him and say, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Save me." You've never done that. That is the fundamental confession of Christianity. You know, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've never taken that next step and publicly confessed your faith through baptism maybe today september 10th is our next one now you're time to publicly confess that you are a follower of Jesus maybe you came in here this morning with a secret sin that you hope nobody knows about confess that to God and to a trusted friend sin is deceptive it is destructive and it will not stop until it destroys you over and over again unconfessed hidden sin just slowly eat you away find someone talk to them confess to god and to them don't know what it is for you but all of us if we are a follower of jesus should be regular repenters and confessors because we have a savior that we can confess to we hope this message has been impactful for more information about how you can connect with elm city church visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media We'd love to help you take some next steps.